I, I can't help it, but I get fascinated by things in the Bible. It's just totally fascinating to me. Uh, I don't know if or how many of you have, may have ever spent time in the book of Daniel, but the book of Daniel... I'm telling you, there's some heavy stuff in the book of Daniel. Some stuff that's difficult to understand, some prophetic stuff. However, I do believe that there is something in the book of Daniel that the Lord would have us look at this morning. Particularly, Daniel chapter 5. However, to fully understand Daniel chapter 5, we have to get a lot of background information. So this morning might be a little bit different. i, I got to cover a lot of background so that we can fully understand the things that happen in Daniel chapter 5. As a matter of fact, we can't even start in the book of Daniel. We have to start in the book of Jeremiah, uh, the 52nd chapter of Jeremiah. Okay? Uh, now, I won't read all the millions of scriptures. I'm going to try to paraphrase a lot of them so I can get you all caught up so that we can under- understand why God gets as angry as he does in Daniel chapter 5. Uh, Jerusalem had a king named Zedekiah. Uh, Again, this is found in the book of Jeremiah 52. You can read it for yourself sometime. And he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. You all remember, if you read the Old Testament, you'll see how some kings did good. And they followed the law. They followed commandments. They obeyed the Lord. And then some kings came along and they did evil, that which was evil in the eyes of God. And God punished his people. And that's just kind of how it went, back and forth, back and forth. And... Uh, so Zedekiah did evil in the eyes of God, and as a punishment to them, they were uh, laid siege by a king from Babylon. From the huge Babylonian empire, a king came and laid siege to the city of Jerusalem. So in the year uh, 597 B.C., so a long time ago, King Nebuchadnezzar came and he encamped all the way around Jerusalem. And what he did was, he starved them out, okay? So all their mighty men of war and the Israelites, they had no food. So when their food dried up, they began to starve. Then they began to panic, and then they all ran, and they all fled, and the Babylonians caught them and slaughtered a lot of them. And they overtook Jerusalem, okay, the holy city. Uh, Israel fell to the Babylonian Empire. Babylonian Empire back then was a huge, massive empire that ruled all that stuff over there in the Middle East. They had a huge empire. So it fell to the siege of King Nebuchadnezzar. I'm sure many of you have heard of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, There's lots mentioned to him, which we'll get to in the book of Daniel. So all the armies of the Chaldeans, they were these pagans, they came and they attacked Jerusalem. They, and when Jerusalem fell, they went in and they just thrashed it. They killed people. They took slaves. They took prisoners. And they burned the house of the Lord, the, the temple, where they, where they performed all their sacrifices and they performed the commandments of the Lord. King Nebuchadnezzar went in and burned the house of the Lord. So it was fallen. Jerusalem had fallen into the hands of the pagan Chaldeans. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, he, once he defeated it, he could do what he wanted, right? He, he defeated them. So he went in and killed lots of people, and he also made all kinds of servants there. He left some people in Jerusalem to serve under tribute to him as 
vine dressers, uh, husbandmen, whatever it was, he left some people there to serve. To, hey, you guys work all these crops, you work all this, and then it's all going to be mine. They were his slaves now. Those people, the, the people, the children of God, were Nebuchadnezzar's slaves. He took them captive. And he also took a lot of the people. King Nebuchadnezzar, he defeated, and he said, man, he looked for the finest, most handsome, the prettiest, the, the, the most intelligent ones he went through, and he would say, you, you, you're coming with me. Not you, not you, not you. He would take the young ones, the ones that looked strong and physically fit and intelligent. He said, all these people I'm going to take back to the Babylonian Empire. So he, took, he left some, and then he picked the good ones out, and he took them with him. That is how a man named Daniel. We've heard of Daniel. He's a great man of God. We've heard of Daniel. Daniel, and you remember his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those were some of the people that King Nebuchadnezzar said, you guys are coming with me. So that is how those men get into Babylon. They're taken captives into this great pagan empire God means nothing to them. They don't care about the God of the Bible. They don't care about the law. They don't care about the Jewish traditions. They don't care about the Israelites. Care nothing about the Jehovah God as they are a complete pagan nation. And here's Daniel finds himself captive. You're coming with us. You no longer live here in Jerusalem. You're coming to Babylon. So that's how Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get taken from Jerusalem those Israelites, those Jewish people get taken into the kingdom of Babylon. Now, I mentioned a moment ago that King Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the house of the Lord. Way back around 600 B.C. when he defeated it, he goes in and he burns down the house of the Lord. He burns down their temple, their holy place. I want to read a couple scriptures from Jeremiah because we have to take note of this. This is some of our background information. Jeremiah 52 verse 17 and it says and also the pillars of brass that were in the house of the Lord and the bases in the brazen sea that was in the house of the Lord the Chaldeans break and carried all the brass of them to Babylon the cauldrons also and the shovels and the snuffers and the bowls and the spoons and all the vessels of brass wherewith they ministered they took away Verse 19 says, And the basins, and the firepans, and the bowls, and the cauldrons, and the candlesticks, and the spoons, and the cups, that which it was of gold in gold, and that which was of silver in silver, took the captain of the guard away. So Nebuchadnezzar, when he defeats Jerusalem, he goes in and he burns down the house of God, but first he picks out all the vessels that were consecrated to the Jewish nation, the Israel people, the Israelites, to do their service to the Lord, to do their ministering, what, the way that they observe their church services. Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, take that stuff, steal it. That stuff's coming with me. It's gold and it's silver. Take all that brass. Even if you have to break it in pieces, we're hauling this stuff back to Babylon. So King Nebuchadnezzar steals all that stuff, then he burns the church down. And he takes all those instruments, the instrumentation that they used in worship, the snuffers, the cauldrons, the spoons, the cups, goblets, whatever you name it, he steals it all and takes it back to Babylon. The pagan, he don't care what they used it for. I don't care, it's gold, that's valuable to me, I'm taking it. 
So Nebuchadnezzar swipes all this stuff and takes it with him. Okay, bear with me. I know this is lots of background information, but we've got to keep plugging away for a little while. Plus, I find this stuff interesting. So now, at least, we can work our way up to the book of Daniel. Okay, at least now we're in, in Daniel. Okay, we, we know what's happened thus far. All this stuff has been taken. King Nebuchadnezzar, he's ruling this giant empire of Babylon. He's living large. He has this stolen stuff. He has all kinds of, uh, he took thousands of Jewish people with him to serve as slaves. So that's the setting that we're under. Now, Daniel was a man of God. Even though he was taken captive to a pagan nation, and really, if you read Daniel, they try to indoctrinate him. They try to tell Daniel, no, 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 this, this is, these are the gods. Gods of brass, gods of wood, gods of iron, gods of gold and silver. They try to re-indoctrinate Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They even, if you look at it, they even renamed Daniel a more pagan name. They called Daniel Belteshazzar. And they call his Three friends, they renamed them also to give them more names that are kind of like the Chaldean names. So they even renamed them. Won't even call them their Jewish names. But Daniel was a man of God, and he refused to defile himself. He prayed three times a day. He didn't care what laws they said. You can't do this. You, you can do that. You, you're not. He didn't care. He believed in his God, and he held on to his teachings. He cleaved to them. Daniel was a man of God. Listen to what it says about Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, verse 19 says, And the king, this is talking about Nebuchadnezzar, And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were with them in his realm. See, I mentioned that they were a pagan nation. That's what they believed in. Astrology, uh, magic, dark magic, wickedness, all kinds of different kinds of gods. Many kinds of gods, as a matter of fact. That's what these Chaldeans believed in in this Babylonian empire. But the king observes Daniel. This, this pagan king Nebuchadnezzar, he observed Daniel and says, Geez, this guy's ten times better than all the guys that I got. What's different about him? There's something different about him and his three buddies. Now, Daniel had this gifting of interpreting dreams he had this gifting of the bible says he could figure out dark matters dark sayings meaning things that are difficult no one else knows what they mean what does this mean what does this dream mean i saw this vision i have no understanding what it means well daniel was gifted god just gave him a gifting and that was his gift. He could figure these things out. God would reveal these things through prayer. And he would even fast sometimes. And God would reveal the meaning of these dark sayings to Daniel. Now King Nebuchadnezzar. And again you can read all this stuff. I'm not going to read all of it. But King Nebuchadnezzar has a bad dream. Okay. And it really bothers him. And it shakes him to the core. And he calls for his 
Remember, it's a pagan nation. He calls for all of his astrologers and the magicians, and he says, all of you, come here, come here. I, I, I had this dream, it's bothering me so bad, I can't sleep anymore, I can't hardly eat. Well, it, as a matter of fact, he, King Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, and I'm not actually going to tell you the dream, because you could make something up. If I tell you the dream, you can make something up and say that that's what it means. So King Nebuchadnezzar tells all the wise men, in the whole Babylonian empire, he says, hey, you tell me the dream and the interpretation of it. And all the astrologers are saying, what? you're crazy. No one can do that. It's, there's not a man alive that can do that. Well, Daniel hears about it. They Actually, they come to kill Daniel. They come to kill Daniel and his friends. And Daniel says, wait a minute. Don't I at least get a chance? So Daniel begins to pray. And he tells his buddies, and they all pray. And the Lord reveals to Daniel his dream and the interpretation of it. Okay? Listen, so then Daniel goes and he tells the king, O king, I know your dream and I know the interpretation of it. And he doesn't take any glory for it. He says, God revealed, the Hebrew God has revealed it to me. The Most High, the Holy One, He has revealed it to me. So Daniel points to God, is what he does. He goes to the king, and he reveals it. And the king's like, oh my goodness, that is it, that is it. Okay, this pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar. Now listen to what he says. Okay, now this is still part of our background information. We've got to keep plugging through it. Daniel, chapter 2, verse 47, says... The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou could reveal this secret. So this pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, his astrologers couldn't figure it out, his magicians couldn't figure it out, whatever other dark magic they practiced in that empire, none of them could figure it out. And here's this Daniel, this Israelite, who's talking about this Hebrew God of the Bible, that he's the most holy one. He can reveal these things, and he does. And this pagan king, he says, wow. This pagan king says, of a truth, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the king of kings, and can reveal the secret matters. So King Nebuchadnezzar starts seeing, man, there's, there's something to this God that these Israelite people serve. There's something to them. However, just like human nature, humans haven't changed for thousands of years. We're, we still fall for the same things, same basic things. King Nebuchadnezzar doesn't take long. Just keep reading in that book of Daniel. It's a couple of scriptures later. He falls away, and he's building this big giant image. If you read in Daniel, you can read it for yourself. He builds this big image, okay, out of gold and all this stuff, and it's this image of a cow or whatever it is, and if you hear the music and you hear the psaltery and all their instruments, musical instrumentation, no matter what you're doing, you got to stop what you're doing. I don't care if you're in the marketplace buying some food or sitting at dinner or in your house making your bed or doing some chores. It doesn't matter. you got to drop what you're doing and start worshiping this golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar... That was the law of the land because it's a pagan nation. That's what they did. Those were the gods that they have. Gold, silver, wood, brass, those were their gods, these false gods, these false idols, and that was the law that King Nebuchadnezzar 
made up. They said, hey, I built this great image. When you hear the music, you better stop what you're doing and start worshiping this thing. Well, if you remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they don't comply. They don't. The music goes off. They're standing there. They're, they're not worshiping it. They won't budge. They refuse because they cling to what they were taught. The one true God. Well, it, it lands them in the fiery furnace. I'm sure all of us have heard that in junior church, in Sunday school. We've heard that. It, that they, those three men, they say, hey, what do you, why aren't you guys worshiping this golden image? And the king says, okay, you don't want to worship? That's fine. Take those men and throw them in a fiery furnace. He even heats it up. He heats it up so much that it kills the guards that are just trying to throw them in. When the music plays, you fall down and you worship, and they refuse. It, it lands them in the fiery furnace. Uh, the, the band, the last few weeks, if you've caught the song that they sing, it's an awesome one. There's another in the fire. Man, that song is just awesome. It just really just stirs me because God, Jesus, and, and they believe that this fourth man in the fire, now I don't have time to do that story justice. I only touch on it for a second. But they believe that this fourth man in the fire was a pre-incarnate Christ in the fire with those three men that refused to fall and worship this golden image. So there they are. And this pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, sees this. And what would you think? Even if you had no godly background at all, if you saw this, what would you think? If King Nebuchadnezzar says, what in the world? Didn't I throw three people in there? There's four people. And they're alive and well. They're not even singed. They don't even smell like smoke. The people that threw them in were slain. How in the world can this be? I told you, I don't know about you guys, but this stuff's fascinating to me. I, I love this stuff. Oh, how I love thy law. I meditate on it all the day long. I love the word of the Lord. So this king, Nebuchadnezzar, sees this. And remember, now this king, Nebuchadnezzar, he's beginning to have a knowledge of this Hebrew God. Okay? He has already had this dream. He already has this man named Daniel who he has elevated in his kingdom and this Daniel is saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, I don't care what you say, there is a one true God. And he interpreted his dream. So Nebuchadnezzar starting to have some experiences with this one true God. Remember, he's already said, your God is a God of gods, a Lord of lords, and a revealer of the secret things. So that's the king, same king. He sees these four men in the fire, and he's like, what? And it, it blows them away. This pagan king, okay? Listen to what he says in Daniel chapter 4, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king. Now, this is him. Actually, what's fascinating is the, they, they believe the whole Bible, for the most part, is written by Jewish people. It, it, it's a Jewish religion, okay? Jesus is Jewish, except maybe for some book of Luke, but also... Daniel chapter 4 is written by pagan king Nebuchadnezzar. It, this is one of the only things in the whole Bible that's not written by a Jewish person. Listen, Daniel chapter 4 verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king 
unto all people. He's making a decree. Unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. And remember, this is just when he saw those four in the fire. He brings them out. Verse 2. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought towards me. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. That is the writing of a pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, as he's starting to see God manifest all these things. And he's starting to say, whoa, 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 this God, he's a God of gods. He's a king of kings. His kingdom is everlasting. So pagan king Nebuchadnezzar, the real, true God, not made with wood, not made with gold, not made with silver, the real, one and only God is manifesting himself to King Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian Empire. So again, the king sees the power of God, the most holy God, the one true God, Jehovah God. Well, human nature strikes again. King Nebuchadnezzar falls away again. This time, he's lifted up in pride. He's lifted up in arrogance. After all, he's rich, he's loaded, he's defeated all kinds of things. His empire is humongous. And he's lifted up in pride and he says, I built this kingdom by my might, by my power, for my majesty. Okay, so he, his mind's warped again. Okay, this Jehovah God is real, revealing himself to this pagan king, and he's starting to see the light, and he turns away. And he starts to see the light even more, and then he's, here he is lifted up in arrogance again and in pride again. Well, the Lord, you can read this for yourself, pretty much turns him into like a, a beast-like creature. King Nebuchadnezzar pretty much loses his mind, goes insane, and goes in, is driven from mankind. So he goes out into the wilderness and lives with the beasts of the field. He turns almost into an animal-like state. It says his hairs are almost like the feathers of an eagle. His nails, his fingernails turn into like the claws of a bird. He drinks the dew of the grass. So he's driven from man. He almost goes insane because he's lifted up in pride and God punishes him because he's been revealing himself and he won't learn. So God says, okay, I'll give you over to this state. And here he is, this beast-like creature, mangy, unkept, unclean, like a wild animal, deranged, like some sort of crazy lunatic. He ate grass and drank the dew, was unclean. But then, in that state, this pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, it says he looks up to heaven and reason returns unto him. Listen. Remember, I told you Dan Daniel chapter 4 is one of the only chapters in the Bible written by a non-Jewish person. We're going to read what this non-Jewish person says. Daniel chapter 4, verse 34 says, At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me, 
And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him that lives forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. If we skip down to verse 37, it says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, this is his writing, these are his words, this pagan king says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol, meaning glorify and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways, judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. So that is the final disposition of King Nebuchadnezzar, the pagan king. He sees the Lord revealed to him, he turns away. He sees the Lord and he turns even more, he turns away. He's lifted up in pride. And then finally, when he looks up to heaven, God is fully revealed to him. And the final state of pagan King Nebuchadnezzar is, Now I, King Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the King of heaven. So God is revealed to him. He finds faith. He's saved through faith in God of the Bible. Okay? Awesome, isn't it? Very fascinating to me. Now, we got to move forward. Again, I'm telling you, this is the background information. I'll try to keep pushing along. Now Now you're caught up with the background of King Nebuchadnezzar, okay, in a nutshell. He went through a lot of things. He took the hard way, he took the long way, like many of us, amen, to find that God is God. God is who he says he is. And he worships him. Okay, now we're starting to get to what I actually want to look at today. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar who finally knows the real God and took the long way to come to know the king of heaven, his son, Belshazzar, comes on the scene. Okay, so Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar. Now we're starting to get into Daniel chapter 5, where I was wanting to get to. Belshazzar, his son, doesn't care about God. I don't care what you've been through, Dad. I don't care what you taught me. Don't make no never mind to me. Get that stuff out of my face. I don't want anything to do with it. He doesn't care about the fact that his dad has come to faith in God. In the Most High God. He's partying down. If if you read, we'll, we'll, we'll read some scriptures momentarily, but if you read, he's partying down one day. Drinking alcohol and drinking wine. He's got his wives. He's got his concubines, his princes, his friends. They're all partying one day. When something happens, Daniel chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Belshazzar, remember, this is King Nebuchadnezzar's son, while he tasted the wine, commanding to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines, might drink therein. Now here's some of the background information starting to come into play now. Okay, we've already been over the fact that many years ago, before Nebuchadnezzar came to the Lord, remember he's the one that laid siege onto Jerusalem. He burnt down the house of God, and remember he stole all those vessels, all those instrumentation that they used in their worship that the Israelites used to worship their God, the one true God. And Belshazzar, here he is all these years later, Nebuchadnezzar has come to faith in God. Belshazzar doesn't care. And he says, hey, remember all that, remember all them 
things that we stole, those golden cups, how pretty they were, go get them. Go get all that stuff, all that silver and the brass and the gold. Bring it out. We're going to start drinking. We're going to start partying with those things that they might drink therein. His princes, his concubines, his wives. So he said, hey, let's party. I don't care what my dad says. Go get all that stuff. Go get it out of the treasury. We're going to drink. We're going to get drunk out of them. Daniel 5 verse 3 says, Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives, his concubines, drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. So, really, they're desecrating these instruments that had been sanctified for use for the Lord, in worshiping the Lord. So, really, Belshazzar, the son, is committing this abomination. Things that were meant to worship the Lord and minister unto the Lord. He gets drunk out of them and parties out of them. Ultimately, Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar, doesn't care a lick about what his father has learned. Belshazzar doesn't care that his father taught him about this man named Daniel. Doesn't care that he said, hey, there's a man named Daniel that revealed to me these dreams. He even told me the dream and the interpretation thereof. Belshazzar doesn't care. Belshazzar doesn't care that his father said, Son, I threw three of these men that refused to worship gold, this golden image. I threw three of them into a fiery furnace. I threw them in there and I saw a fourth man in there. And when I brought them out, they, did, they weren't singed and they didn't smell like smoke. The guards even died to throw them in there. Son, I'm telling you, I saw this with my own eyes. Son, you have to believe. Belshazzar doesn't care. Belshazzar doesn't care that his dad, he saw his own dad turned into a beast, turned into a, a wild animal, a mangy animal, out in the, pushed away from man, driven from mankind out into the wilderness. And, and he says, son, I was driven like a beast out into the I ate grass like I was some sort of animal. And, and I looked to heaven and God was revealed unto me, son. Belshazzar says, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. I don't believe. I don't believe that my father knows the one true God. I don't care. Belshazzar had all this information. He saw it from his father. It was recorded and written for him to study. He saw his dad go through these things. Well, something very interesting happens. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll say something very unnerving happens to Belshazzar. How many of you know sin is fun for a season, right? Remember when you were young and you did stupid stuff? It might have been fun for a season until the day of reckoning comes. Until you get caught or until you got to pay the consequences. Daniel 5 Verse 5 says, In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. 
Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against the other. He sees this hand appear. He's, remember, he's partying and drinking. He doesn't care what his dad taught him or that his dad said, hey, there's a, there's a true God. He's not, he's not wood. He's not iron and clay and stone. And Belshazzar said, I don't care. And he's partying, he's drinking, and he's using the Lord's vessels to get drunk out of. And a hand appears and writes on the wall as he's partying. And the Bible says his knees smote against one another. In other words, he's scared. He is scared. The day of reckoning has come. You pushed God a little bit too far. I don't know about you, but could you imagine that? What if you're sitting at home watching a TV show you know you shouldn't be watching and a hand appears and starts writing in your wall? What are you going to do? No big deal. No way. You're going to wig out. You're going to freak out. This is exactly what he did. He spazzes out. Hey, go get all my astrologers. Go get all my magicians. Because they, they can't understand what the saying is. There's something written, but they don't know what it means. They don't know what it says. They don't know how to read it. Skip down to Daniel 5, verse 25. says, and this is the writing that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, you farsen. What in the world does that mean? What's that mean? See, they, they went and got all their astrologers and their magicians. And here's this writing. They don't know what it means. They go get all these magicians. and What does this mean? Someone tell me what's it mean. None of them know what it means. I, I don't know. I don't know what it means. We don't know what it means. Then they remember Daniel again. Belshazzar remembers Daniel. Says, hey, go get Daniel. He's supposed to be gifted in dark sayings, able to figure things out. Supposedly this Most High God reveals these things to him. Go get Daniel. So they go and get Daniel. Daniel, Daniel sees this writing. And they're, Daniel, what does it mean? What does it mean? And Daniel knows right off the bat, this ain't good. This is not good. What, what you've done here, this isn't good. This isn't going to work out good. Not good. And he says, Daniel... I'll give you rewards. I'll give you treasures. I'll, I'll give you all this stuff. And Daniel says, I don't want nothing. Give it to somebody else. I'll tell you what it means, but you can give all that to someone else. I don't want any part of it. Keep the rewards. Daniel 5, verse 18. Listen, this is important stuff. It says, Oh, thou king. This is Daniel revealing the meaning to Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's son. Okay, we have to know the context. He says, O thou king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he slew. Whom he would, he kept alive. And whom he would, set up, he set up. And whom he would, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. Verse 21 says, And he was driven from the sons of men and his heart was made like the beasts 
and his dwelling was with wild donkeys, and they fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointed over it whomsoever he will. Listen, verse 22 says, this is important. He says, And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, has not humbled thy heart, though thou knewest all this stuff but has lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords, thy wives, thy concubines have drunk wine in them. And thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold and brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know, and the God in whose thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways thou hast not glorified. So Daniel drops these bombs on to Belshazzar. He's saying, hey, you knew all this stuff that your father went through. He told you about it. You saw it. You observed it. You ignored it all. You lifted yourself up in arrogance. You committed an abomination with this instrumentation. And you have not lifted up the Most High God, who he has revealed himself to your family. And God comes and writes, Mene, Mene, Tekel, you farson, on the wall. Many people think that those Chaldeans couldn't understand the writing because it was written in Aramaic. Okay? So here comes Daniel, and Daniel knows Aramaic. And Mene more or less means numbered, and it's repeated. Mene, mene, numbered, numbered. Tekel is weighed. These are actually financial in- increments. Numbered, numbered, weighed. And then it says euphorsin, which is divided. So what God actually writes on the wall is numbered, numbered, weighed, divided. Numbered, because God came to Belshazzar and numbered his days, or more or less counted his days, and they were at an end. He gave him full opportunity. His father spoke into him. He ignored it and said, I don't care. Tekel, weighed. That's what it means, weighed. God has come to Belshazzar. He has counted his days. They're at an end. He has weighed him in his divine scales of justice, and he has been found lacking. If I say scales, does everyone know what the scales mean? The scales of justice. You, you have these catch pans, and if there's too much weight on this side, it goes like that. We've all seen those kind of scales, right? God holds a divine set of scales, and he puts our heart in it. To see where it weighs, measured against his justice. So he numbered, numbered, weighed, weighed his heart, and it didn't come out good. And euphorsin means divided. And if you look later on, it actually, when it translates those words, it says perez, which is plural of the euphorsin. Why is it plural? Because it's divided in two. Your kingdom 
is taken and it is divided between the Medes and the Persians. This great Babylonian empire, biggest the world has ever seen then, is going to be taken from you and divided to the Medes and the Persians. If you go on to read, you'll see Belshazzar was slain, I think later that night. Now, if we, we step back and look at this whole story as a whole, I, I wanted to give you all the background information so you could see the whole thing. Okay, if we step back and we look at it, what was Belshazzar's mistake? Most people, if you just read Daniel chapter 5, you'll say, well, he, he took those holy, sanctified uh, goblets and so on and so forth, the things that they took out of the house of God, they drank wine in them, committed an abomination, and that's why God wrote it. And I'll say that's correct, but only halfway. That was an abomination to God. I won't make light of that part. That did anger God to write on there and to take that kingdom from them. But listen, I think the answer I've already read is it found in Daniel 5, 22. It says, this is Daniel talking to him. And thou his son, O Belshazzar, was not humbled, hast not humbled thy heart, though thou knewest all this. Belshazzar had all the knowledge of his father. He observed it. He saw his father become, come to faith in the Hebrew God. He knew all this. He saw all this. He had it recorded in their historical books. He knew all this stuff. Yet he said, nah. So it's not just the fact that they got drunk out of those vessels from the house of God. It's that coupled with the fact that God had revealed himself to that pagan king. And Belshazzar knew it and saw it. But it was nothing to him. That was his mistake. Those were his mistakes. That's what angered God and caused him to write with his finger on the wall. Many, many, tickle you farson. His father passed this knowledge of the one true God to him to help him rule his kingdom, and he blew off what he was taught. Nah. Remember, his father said, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol. I glorify and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are true and his ways, judgment, all those who walk in pride he is able to abase. That's what his father said. He came to the knowledge of God. He told his son, and his son blew it all off. You could say Belshazzar ignored the writing on the wall. It was there. He ignored it. Now, why would I preach this to you this morning? I realize I'm not the best preacher on the planet. I realize that. And Pastor Joe, he realizes he's not the best pastor on the planet. Neither one of us ever will be. I'm sure there's things you can find to criticize about me, and they might even be true. However, if I preach truth unto you, then it's your responsibility to cleave to it and not blow it off. And not say, eh, nah. 
We do our best to tell you about the most holy one, the true God of the Bible. We'll do our best to teach you and to tell you of the blessed one, Jesus Christ. We believe and tell you that there is only one way to God that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. We believe there is only one book of truth found in the Bible. Don't ignore what you've been taught. Don't blow it off. Don't say, eh. Don't back off of it. Don't ignore the writing on the wall. If I can call the band back up, just a few more scriptures I'd like to go on to. As they make their way and begin to play, listen to what 2 Timothy, in light of all that we heard this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy says, hold fast to it. If it's truth and it's good preaching and it's from the Bible, hold on to it. Cleave to it. Do whatever you got to do to hold on. I don't care what the world is doing. Don't ignore the writing on the wall. Don't ignore the truth. Don't blow it off. Hold it. Retain it. Keep it. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 21 says, Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. It is. If it is good, hold fast to it. We know that what the Word says is good. We know that what the Word says is truth. The Bible says in Thessalonians, then hold fast to it. If it is true, hold fast to it. Retain it. Don't let it go. Don't let it get away from you. Don't blow it off. Belshazzar blew it all off. And God came and wrote. He had been numbered. Numbered, weighed, and divided. Romans 12, 9, my last scripture, says to abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Snag hold of this Bible, cleave to it, because it is good. If it's evil, abhor it. Get it out of your life. Rebuke it, stay away from it, avoid it. But if it is good, Cleave to it. Cling to it. Bear hug it and don't let it go is what the Bible is saying. Amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah.